Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com as well as rate, review of iTunes. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد الشاكرين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي السلام عليكم ورحمة الله يا brothers and sisters is the sound okay is it coming out okay the sound okay Uh, today, inshallah, we will begin the tafsir of Surah Al-Duha. This is Surah number 11 in the order of revelation. It was uh, revealed after Surah Al-Fajr. And last time when we finished Surah Al-Fajr, I mentioned that after Surah Al-Fajr, there was a gap, there was a time that in, during which Wahi was not revealed. Some the, uh, of the commentators on the hadith like Imam Bukhari and Muslim, they narrate some hadiths uh, that the time that the wahi was, uh, was not revealed, it took somewhere between three days and uh, 40 days. So the, the time, there is a difference of opinion among the scholars. How long was the, uh, the wahi not, being, uh, uh, not coming to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam? But anyway, I will come to some uh, hadiths on this issue, on some narrations. But just to remind ourselves that we are still in the order of revelation uh, in the Quran that has been revealed so far. Uh, not much of the Quran is revealed. Uh, it was Surah Al-Alaq. We can repeat those uh, one more time. Surah Al-Alaq, Surah Al-Muddathir, then Surah Al-Qalam, then Surah Al-Muzzammil. Then Surah Al-Fatiha, then Surah Al-Masad, then Surah Al-A'la, then Surah Al-Takweer, then Surah Al-Layl, then Surah Al-Fajr. So those were the uh, first ten surahs which were revealed, and now Surah Al-Duha. And just like the previous two surahs, Surah Al-Layl and Surah Al-Fajr, Allah Azza wa Jal makes the beginning of the surah with this Qasam. Qasam means an oath. Surah Al-Layl says, وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا يَغْشَى Allah Azza wa Jal is swearing by Al-Layl. I swear by the night when the night takes over. Surah Al-Fajr, which came immediately after Surah Al-Layl, Allah repeated the same style. Wal-Fajri wal-Layalin Ashr. He makes an oath. He swears by Wal-Fajr wal-Layalin Ashr. I swear by Al-Fajr, which is the dawn, and ten nights. And then of course continues Wal-Layli wal-Shaf'i wal-Watr 
وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا يَسْرِ This surah, Allah Azza wa Jal begins the surah by the swear وَالضُّحَى وَالضُّحَى وَاللَّيْلِ Again, same style, same thing. He is making an oath by the night and by the day. The surah Al-Layl, he begins وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا يَغْشَى I swear by the night when the night takes over. And by the day when the day comes up, Surah Al-Fajr, he says, Wal-Fajr, I swear by Al-Fajr and ten nights. Here he says, I swear by Al-Duha and Al-Layl. Wal-Duha, Al-Duha is the daybreak, when the day breaks and the sun goes a little bit high in the sky. So it's not noon yet, it's high morning. It's, uh, and there is a prayer which we do, Salat Al-Duha. There is a prayer which we pray after Fajr in the morning after the sun, when we wake up and the sun is up. So the sun is already up in the sky. So we make this Salah al-Duha. And uh, some uh, people, especially Mufassirin and those who talk about the uh, prayer's time, they say the al-Duha is a time when the, when the sun in the, in the horizon, it's almost like, uh, like five yards. You look at it, it's five yards, ten meters. That's how you look at it. That's when how the, the sun is viewed in your, uh, uh, from your perspective. That's the time of al-duha. So let me read the surah, and then I will translate it one by one, ayah by, by ayah. This is the literal translation. Then we will go into tafsir, inshallah. This is how we have been doing it. It says, beginning al-duha, I swear by al-duha, that I said al-duha is the time, high morning. It's few, uh, probably it's the first hour after the sunrise. وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا سَجَى And I swear by the night when the night uh, uh, in this ayat doesn't say takes over when the night becomes quiet. As saja means so quiet, so cool, so nice with tranquility, no noise. That's اللَّيْلِ إِذَا سَجَى مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ مَا وَدَّعَكَ means your Rabb did not depart you. وَدَّعَ When you say it's a wada' when you say goodbye to someone, it's a farewell goodbye. When you take someone to the airport and he's, he or she is leaving somewhere abroad, then you will say, I'm, this is a farewell goodbye. That's some decent type of departure. Ma waddaq wa ma qala, and he did not leave out of hatred. So because sometimes you leave someone, you just depart the person, you don't want to talk to him, you will not see him in either two occasions. Either... You are leaving someone because he is leaving and he's your friend still. He's, uh, uh, you still love him and therefore you care about him. Or, ma qala. Al qala is when you let go of someone, when you depart someone, you just with hatred. You don't like to see the guy. You say, qalaytu fulanan. I just let go of. I don't want to see him anymore. So Allah Azza wa Jal here says, ma wadda'aka rabbuk. God, your Rabb did not leave you. Just simply forgetting you or because it departed you and did not abandon you. So qala is abandoned. He did not abandon you nor did he leave you. خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنَ الْأُولَى And the akhirah, akhirah means is the one that comes, the, the life or the period of time which is up in front of you. Whether it's the akhirah, is the day of judgment or the second life or it is something that's coming up. Whatever is awaiting you in the future is better than what has been, what has passed already. Al-Ula is the first one. Al-Akhirah is the next one. So Al-Akhirah, the next one, is better than 
the, the first one. What is Al-Akhirah? What's the first one? That will be the subject of our tafsir tonight. What is this about? وَلَسَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى Your Rabb will give you something so that you will be pleased. He will give you. doesn't say what. He says, will give you. In, in the surah that will come in, in a short period of time, it says, إِنَّا أَعْطَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرِ We give you Al-Kawthar. Al-Kawthar is something that specific that Allah Azza wa Jal wants to give. Here he says, وَلَسَوْفَ وَلَسَوْفَ means in the future, Allah, your Rabb, يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ Your Rabb will give you, will give you something such that you will be pleased. Whatever Allah will give you, that will make you pleased. And then, أَلَمْ يَجِدْكَ يَتِيمًا فَآوَى goes into a next, a next phase of the surah, if you will. So the first part of the surah, there is a swear by the duha and by the night. Then Allah says, I did not leave you or depart you or abandon you. And then I will give you something such that you will be pleased. Then going, أَلَمْ يَجِدْكَ يَتِيمًا فَآوَى Didn't God or your Rabb find you an orphan and he gave you a haven? أَلَمْ يَجِدْكَ يَتِيمًا فَآوَى Yatim is an orphan and he found you an orphan, you were an orphan and God provided you with a, with a shelter, with a haven. وَوَجَدَكَ ضَالًّا فَهَدَى And he found you wandering around, looking around. Bal someone that I'm lost or I'm looking for something and I cannot find it. And then God provided you with guidance. He guided you to whatever you were looking for. وَوَجَدَكَ عَائِلًا فَأَغْنَى And he found you in need. Ail means in need. Like poor. Doesn't have sufficient thing. There is some insufficiency. There is some, something lacking. You lack something. Ail, you have deficiency. There is something that you don't have. فَأَغْنَى And he enriched you. He gave you whatever you were looking for. وَوَجَدَكَ عَائِلًا فَأَغْنَى Then goes... An order to the Prophet وسلم, asking him to do something. Now, as far as, as you are concerned, Muhammad, let me ask you, let me instruct you, let me order you. It's a command. So the first, the, those three ayahs talks about what Allah found the status. He found Muhammad and yatim, orphan, looking for uh, uh, his way or his road or his path and in need of something. Those are three issues. Now, فَأَمَّ الْيَتِيمَ فَلَا تَقْهَرْ When it comes to an orphan, never oppress an orphan. Do not uh, uh, oppress an orphan. Do not give him hard time. Do not provide an orphan with hardship. وَأَمَّ السَّائِلَ فَلَا تَنْهَرْ Anyone who is requesting or he wants something, he, has, he is lacking something, don't uh, 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 dishonor him or do not uh, uh, reject him. Do not reject anyone who is asking you it doesn't say what. Someone has a question, someone has a need, someone wants to do something, don't reject that person, do not avoid him. And when it comes to the ni'mah, to the precious things that your Rabb has bestowed upon you, you have to convey it, you have to reveal it, you have to make it to declare the fact that Allah Azza wa Jal bestowed something upon you. What is that Allah bestowed upon you that we will talk about during, while we are doing the tafsir. So this is, these are the 11 ayat. As you could see, the 11 ayat are, are, are uh, uh, divided into three categories. The first category is the oath, 
that Allah Azza wa Jal is making an oath, He's preparing the scene, if you will, for to make some statements. He's preparing the scene to make uh, 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 an issue, to provide an issue here, the subject. So the first few ayat, وَالضُّحَى وَالضُّحَى وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا سَجَى مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى وَلَلْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنَ الْأُولَى Those four ayah, that's category number one. Category number two, this is what you were, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you were in. You were an orphan, you were looking for some path, and you were in need, you were poor. The third category of the ayat, the last three ayat, it's an instruction to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and of course to us, the how to deal with an orphan, how to deal with someone who is in need of something that you have to uh, uh, to respond to the call of someone who, who needs you, and you have to declare whatever Allah Azza wa Jal has given you. So those are the three categories of the surah. Now, going back step by step, going to the oath, وَالضُّحَى وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا سَجَى And I already mentioned, this is already the third surah in sequence, in the same sequence, اللَّيْلْ إِذَا يَغْشَى making the oath by the night and the day, وَالْفَجْرِ وَلَيَانٍ عَشْرٍ making an oath, a qasam, by al-fajr and the night, and this is the third one, making the oath by al-duha wal-layl. So there is an issue about al-layl and the, the day, about the night and the day. Looks like there is an emphasis on this issue, the night and the day, and I talked about this at length in the previous surahs, especially al-fajr, when we talked that al-fajr is the rise of the dawn, the rise of the dawn after long nights, after many nights. And then Allah challenged us to understand the meaning of the oath when he started talking about Fir'aun and Ad and Thamud and the oppression and the tyranny and how Allah removed all of that. Then Allah wanted us to understand the significance of the dawn coming after the nights. And in the previous one, the previous surah, he talked about Al-Layl and Al-Nahar and which is the night and the day, and then he talked about male and female, giving us an indication that there are roles for the people to have. Women and men have different roles, just like the night and the day. So there is a significance there. And here, Allah Azza wa is talking about al-duha and al-layl, except that here it's a bit different. In the previous ones, in the previous ones, al-fajr, Al-Fajr, it's an explosion of the quietness of the night that you are awaiting the recovery from a long night. And the one before that, it's a night that takes over. Yagsha means it covers everything, as if you can no longer see. Here, Allah Azza wa Jal is giving the night a different notion. It says, وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا سَجَى Saja means it has become so quiet, so cool, so with lots of tranquility, because saja, saja, it's, it's a word that indicates something nice, something decent, something cool, something quiet, something that doesn't have any noisy, no interference, no, nothing that really uh, 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 disturbs your quietness. So a layl in this ayah has a positive meaning, and a nahar, the day, has the other meaning, a duha, Al-Duha is the time when you are already in the morning and the morning has already come close to the noon. So you are a bit tired. There is some notion of feeling of being tired, being exhausted. You are already sweating. You are already exert, exerting an effort. So here he is giving you the notion that you are looking for some rest. 
you need to rest after all that long day. Remember in Surah Al-Muzzammil, how Allah Azza wa Jal, he says, إِنَّ لَكَ فِي النَّهَارِ سَبْحًا طَوِيلًا When he says, يَا أَيُّهَا الْمُزَّمِّلْ قُمِ اللَّيْلَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا نِصْفَهُ أَوْ نْقُصْ مِنْهُ قَلِيلًا أَوْ زِدْ عَلَيْهِ وَرَتِّلِ الْقُرْآنَ تَرْتِيلًا إِنَّا سَنُلْقِ عَلَيْكَ قَوْلًا فَقِيلًا إِنَّ لَكَ فِي النَّهَارِ سَبْحًا طَوِيلًا During the day, you have long day to float through the day to work, to, to, to exert your effort, to, to, to put your labor. So you are going to be exhausted. And therefore you need the night to prepare for the long day. That was in Surah Al-Muzzammil. Same here. Allah Azza wa Jal is giving us the notion that al-duha, it's a time that you have been working hard, you have been uh, uh, exhausting yourself, you have been, you have been pushing this da'wah upon the people, you have been struggling with Abu Lahab, we already talked about Abu Lahab, you are struggling with al-Walid bin al-Mughira, and Allah Azza wa Jal discussed how al-Walid was a disgusting person, he was absolutely terrible, utullin ba'da thalika zanim, According to the Quran, he discussed about the deals, deals and wills with Abu Jahl. All of this has already taken a toll on Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in this da'wah. This is not easy. This is not uh, something that is uh, uh, enjoyable. It's, it's enjoyable from spiritual perspective because it's for Allah azza wa jal. But body-wise, mind-wise, mental-wise, it's exhausting. Everything is hard. Everything is difficult. Uh, the, the talking to the people is, is not that easy. The people are not responding positively. Your uncle is chasing you, Abu Lahab. Uh, uh, the, the wife of Abu Lahab, Ummu Jamil, she's going after you. In fact, here the issue is Ummu Jamil, the, the, the wife of Abu Lahab, comes to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She noticed that he is coming to Al-Kaaba and he is stressed. He is stressed, he is sad. And for few days, according to the narration, for three days she noticed, maybe it is longer time, but she noticed, she told him, for the last three days, I see that you are not telling us any of the things that your, she calls it your shaitan, she, about Jibreel alayhi salam, your shaitan is not giving you anything in you, that's why you look to be sad. So she is even chasing him at the time when he is not receiving wahi. And if he's receiving wahi, she's blocking his path so he does not convey that. So it's hard. It's like a duha. It's a duha. It's like this time that you have been working, you already sweating, it's already the sun is hot. And of course, a duha in, in, in Arabia, in Mecca, the sun, when the sun is already up, it's already hot during the night anyway, but when the sun is up in the sky and you could see it and it shines upon you, it's exhausting. It is the heat. It is the, the, the thing that makes you sweat. So Allah Azza wa Jal is telling Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Al-Duha, like this time that has already passed, as to you it looks like Al-Duha. It looks like a hard working day. It looks it looks to you as if this was the hardship that you have been facing. You need to rest. You need a layl idha saja. You need this quietness of the night. You need this restfulness of the night. That's why he gives the notion, وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا saja. وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا saja. So, Ya Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, although Quraysh are coming and telling you, like uh, 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 the, the wife of Abu Lahab, Ummu Jamil, and Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira, and even Abu Jahl, Abu Jahl was going around in Mecca and says, oh, Muhammad, his God, his Rabb has abandoned him. Qalahu Rabbu. They say, Qalahu. His Rabb has abandoned him. And 
let me just put this in. So his Rabb, his Lord, his God has abandoned him. Uh, the wife of Abu Lahab, she, she says his, his God has abandoned him. And Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself now, what is happening? What have I done wrong? Have I been a little bit easy on the da'wah? Did I not convey the message the way it should be? He was seeing the wahi coming all the time. And remember, the wahi to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not only come for the Qur'an. Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ma yantiqu anil hawa in huwa illa wahyun yuha even the talk that he does that he says and the acts he, he performs it's also wahi so the wahi is always there the wahi Jibreel alayhi salam is always there for, for Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he talks to him he conveys to him what Allah azza wa wants to him to do part of the wahi that comes is Quran and part of it the sunnah because the sunnah is wahi and this is very important to understand because you will see quite often sometimes some people they will tell you oh where do you get this hukum shari from it's not in the Quran it's, it is not in the Quran but it's wahi so the wahi of Allah Azza wa to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam comes in the form of the Quran like wadduha wa layli idha saja and comes in the form of a hadith like when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says da'uha fa innaha natina let go of nationalism and tribalism it is written that is a word of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam but it's wahi it's wahi that Jibreel alayhi salam brings this to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa from Allah. And when we say Jibreel al-Ruh al-Ameen, that's what Allah said in Surah At-Takweer. Remember, when we talked about Surah At-Takweer, At-Takweer about إِنَّهُ لَقَوْلُ رَسُولٍ كَرِيمٍ مُطَاعٍ ثَمَّ أَمِينٍ Which is Jibreel alayhi salam who is coming to the wahi with the wahi to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa So the wahi comes to Muhammad all the time. Now during this period, after Surah Al-Fajr, no wahi. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa did not see Jibreel. He did not hear anything from him. And the people in Mecca, they noticed that. Now Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa for some, some reason, he's quiet. He's not bringing anything in you. Now of course, he has 10 surahs that he continues to use him and his Sahaba, but nothing in you. So it is observable, it's noticeable that there is no supply. The supply has stopped. Now, that also has taken a toll on Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. It did take a toll on him and he was stressed over that. And the, in the narration, they say in, in Al-Bukhari and the Muslim both, or even Al-Tirmidhi, in many of the Sahih, they say Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam would be leaning against the Kaaba and sometimes he is putting his chin on the walls of the Kaaba. You know, just putting his chin on the wall of the Kaaba in a sad format. He, he doesn't look happy. So the ayah now, Allah Azza wa reveals this surah. Jibreel comes to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. After all this, he tells him with this, وَالضُّحَى وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا سَجَرْ Ya Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam, whatever you have been stressed over, Whatever the time that has passed, that is like a duha for you. That is hard work. You need to take time. You need a lay. So consider this as being a duha, and then this period of time of rest, that's like a layli idha saja. Like a night that is giving you a rest. A night that allows you time to prepare. A night that allows you to feel the quietness of the night. It's not that he is sleeping, but it is, all of this is 
take a break. There is a break. And then, not only that, Allah Azza wa is telling him, but if you have been stressed in particular about the, the gap of the wahi, be assured, be assured that I will give you, I will give you from the Quran and from the wahi something that you will always be pleased with. Something that you will be pleased with. Allah will continue to provide you, your Rabb will continue to give you such that you will be pleased. And, and there is in the middle before that he says there are two meanings for this one meaning is the common meaning that means the day of judgment the second life of course the second life is better than this life because it's immortal it doesn't end there is the jannah all of this is true and it doesn't require someone who to have to have big brains or thoughts about this al once you believe once you believe in al once you believe that allah azza wa jal will provide the jannah and jahannam and once you believe in allah azza wa jal and in al yawm al and once you are doing the right deeds and you hope for the jannah then of course my akhirah is better for me that's what i am looking for i am looking for my akhirah but that's not the main issue the issue here is the Prophet ﷺ, what was bothering him and concerning him is this time, this period of gap, this period between the last surah which was revealed, Al-Fajr, and the new surah, especially if there were 40 days, or even if it was three days, that's the minimum time which was reported in, in some of the uh, uh, hadith, but the maximum, some of the hadith, they puts it at 40 days, which is likely to be that, because for one or two or three days, that does not stress you too much. For 40 days, I could imagine, I could see that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is stressed for that. So now, he's saying, Al-Akhirah, meaning what comes after this gap is going to be much better than what you, what you had previously. And this previously can mean two things. Either the gap itself, which is Al-Ula, the time when you did not have the Wahi, or from this time, all the way to Surah Al-Alaq. And the, in the seerah, they say, After the surah, Hami means it has become hot. Hot means it comes all the time. Has not left Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, not for a single period of time, no matter how big or small. The wahi was always continuous until Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam departed this world. After the revelation of surah al-duha, Hami al-wahi. In fact, and the reason also, we are thinking that the notion of this that it refers to the next period rather than to the next life is because the next period is going to be a period that is going to, to witness a, an expansion of the da'wah which is in the seerah now if you look to seerah Ibn Hisham and in the, uh, which is narrated by Ibn Ishaq that after this surah after this, after Surah Al-Fajr, the people, the number of people who started accepting Islam has become large. Until now, the number of people who accepted Islam with the Prophet were numbered, were very few. You could count them. Khadija, Ali, Uthman, Abu Bakr, Az-Zubayr, Talha, uh, not many, and they are counted. You, you look to the seerah, you'll find those, those names are even known. After this, the number of people started coming into the da'wah 
in multiple to the extent to the extent that a while later when when surah al-isra took place when the event of isra which is around year number 9 or number 10 the number of people who have accepted islam were in hundreds not in tens in hundreds and, and hundreds in mecca it means a lot means a lot and of course after surah al-isra many of them left islam back and those who migrated to Abyssinia later on they were large in number so the point here is allah is giving an indication to muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam that what's coming what's awaiting you is much better than what has been passed you have been stressed for all types of things you are beating yourself against all the people there is an ayah that Allah Azza wa Jal described the status of Muhammad, the psychological status of him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, says, You are killing yourself, you are exhausting yourself, you are absolutely tearing yourself down, you are torn with all of this because they have not accepted the belief. And you are so sorry. You have so much sorrow that they are not believing. Now Allah Azza wa Jal is giving Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the bushra and the glad tiding that what is coming up is much better than what has happened. At any rate, when we go with the tafsir, with all of this tafsir, we can understand this. Yes, Al-Akhirah, which is coming up, our second life is much better than this one, so that's what we, we should be working for. Al-Akhirah is better than than the, the current one which is of course and we have always to remember that and to work for that and also also every time I work for the da'wah every time I work for Allah Azza wa Jal every time I exhaust my effort every time I see that I don't see results I have always to think that what is coming is better than what has passed if I don't think this way if I don't think this way if I don't think that what is awaiting me is better than what has passed, I will not have momentum to continue. If I come to the conclusion that I have done more than enough and nothing has happened, and if anything would have happened, it could have happened yesterday or, or before, so nothing I can expect, then I will quit. Because I have done a lot, I have done much, I have done all what I can, and nothing came out. And if nothing came out yet, and nothing to await, then I will quit. But, if I think positively the way the Quran puts it, Al-Akhirah, what is coming is better than what's, what you have got. If you have got something, you will get more. If you did not get anything, now you will get. If you have exhausted too much effort and you did not see a result, now you will see the result. That is a beautiful way of generating momentum for the da'wah career. That's a beautiful way for today, especially the brothers in Syria. I, I keep pushing on that because it's the current event. It's, it's a beautiful way for them to read this and understand it this way, the way we understand it, that you have done more than enough. You have sacrificed the best of what you have. You have exhausted yourself. You have had all types of hardship. Your day, your noon is so high. Your sun is so hot, everything. But what is coming is a layli ida sajjah. What is coming is the quietness of the night. It's the time when you enjoy what you have worked for. What is coming for you, brothers, is better than what you have done. If you have not seen the result yet, if you have not toppled that tyrant Bashar yet, he will fall down tomorrow. If you have not brought Islam yet, 
you will get it tomorrow. If you have not implemented the Sharia yesterday, you will get it tomorrow. And the same thing to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Sahaba. If you have not been able to convince those kuffar of Mecca, if you have not been able to stop the aggression of Quraysh, if you have not seen that pressure against you taking a little bit, becoming a little bit easy, then await a victory from Allah Azza wa Jal. Whatever comes is better than what has left. And believe me, if you don't have this, if I don't have this, whether it's in my life situation, whether it's my job, whether it's my work, whether it's my family, whether it's my raising my children, whether it's my da'wah, whether it's my interaction with the people, if I don't always think positively that what is next is better than what has happened in the past, that will terminate or will put a stop to my momentum. It will put a break on my work. So Allah Azza wa wants us to have this always this positive looking forward. Looking forward is what keeps you moving. Not only that, and Allah will give you something that you will be pleased with. In Arabic, sawfa means will. And it means will for ta'akid. Ta'akid says al-mustaqbal ma'at ta'akid. Future with assertion. And the letter la, la, sawfa, that's another form of ta'akid. Ta'akid means assertion. So these are two forms of ta'akid, two forms of assertion in the same word. Allah Azza wa Jal is using to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and to us that it is not simply a promise. It is an asserted promise it's an asserted promise with the word sawfa, and it's doubly asserted. It's twice asserted with the la. La sawfa. So there are two words here. Or there are actually there are three. Wa, which is and. But that's a con, that's a, uh, for conjunction. The wa. But then la sawfa. La sawfa, that's double ta'akid. We call it double ta'akid, double assertion. To make that this is not only a promise. Sometimes you say, I will give you. I will certainly give you. I will, I don't know even in English if you can do double. You say, la will. Will certainly. Well, will certainly. It's future with assertion with certainty. Here in the Quran, in Arabic, the words, the, the letter L, la, can be used for assertion and certainty. And sofa is used for future and certainty as well. وَلَسَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ And here is the notion of Rabb. Rabbuk is used in this ayah several times. مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ Allah did not depart you. Allah did not leave you. And Allah did not abandon you. رَبُّكَ Not Allah, he says رَبُّكَ And in the previous surahs, we said when Allah wants to give this personal touch, says Rabbuka. But Rabbuka, your Rabb is the Rabb of the world. Is Allah. But he says, Rabbuka, Ya Muhammad, just to give this attachment and coupling that it is your own Rabb, the Rabb that you worship, the Rabb that you love, the Rabb that creates you, the Rabb that you give your will to. It's your Rabb. does not abandon you. And here, وَلَسَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ 
and your Rabb will give you. He is your Rabb after all. He is my Rabb. So when I say my Rabb will give me, my Rabb will support me, my Rabb, I don't care about the Rabbs of the people because everybody has his own Rabb. Especially those who don't believe in Allah or believe in Allah but they have shirk within their belief. You never know what Rabb they are looking for. But my Rabb, because that I know for sure. Because I'm not going to say your Rabb or the Rabb of the people. Because each and every one perceives his Rabb in a different manner. But there is no doubt in my mind that my Rabb is my Rabb. That my Rabb is Allah Azza wa Jal. That my Rabb is the Khaliq. My Rabb is the Creator. So Allah Azza wa Jal keeps pushing this notion. مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ Your Rabb did not abandon you. Your Rabb did not depart you. مَا وَدَّعَكَ وَمَا قَلَى وَلَسَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ Your Rabb will give you. Will give you. يُعْطِي means give. He will give. What is it that he will give? Well, think immediately the next surah after this one, the next surah, which is surah al-inshirah, أَلَمْ نَشْرَحْ لَكَ صَدْرَكَ وَوَضَعْنَا عَنْكَ وِزْرَكَ وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ أَلَمْ نَشْرَحْ لَكَ صَدْرَكَ وَوَضَعْنَا عَنْكَ وِزْرَكَ الَّذِي أَنْقَضَ ظَهْرَكَ وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ We gave you, we, I did this to you, I did this to you, I did this to you. We'll talk about that when it comes. But think of it ahead that Allah Azza wa Jal is giving Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam a surah saying that look what I have done for you already. I gave you, I made your mention. رَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ Your dhikr is raised to the highest possible level. Even then, even then at the time when Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was being persecuted, Allah azza wa jal says, your dhikr, ya Muhammad, will become the highest. Today, the most common name in the world is Muhammad. The most quoted person in the world is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The most adored person in the world is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The most beloved person in the world is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam after 1400 years of da'wah. This is by itself, alone by itself is sufficient. But Allah azza wa jal is giving this notion, I will give you something that you will be pleased. You will be pleased with the Quran. You will be pleased with the Sunnah. You will be pleased with the Wahi. You will, ple- you will be pleased with Sahaba, with Muslims who are going to accept Islam and support you. You will be pleased, dear Muhammad, with the Ansar who come from Medina and take you all the way and allow you to build your society and build your state. You will be, build, you will be pleased, dear Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, with the support of Allah and the angels and the malaik and the battle of Badr. And when you will fight and they will come and fight with you. And you will be pleased when you see that your Islam is dominating the world, is growing and growing and growing. You will be pleased when your Islam will come back to the vicinity of the Kaaba, will take over the Kaaba and destroy all those idols. You will be pleased. Everything that I will give you will make you pleased. Allah giving this notion to Muhammad وسلم, he wants him to be pleased. And I mentioned earlier, when Allah talks about other prophets, Musa السلام, for example, in one ayah in Surah Taha, he says, Allah is asking Musa السلام, why did you come so fast? Why did you leave Bani Israel behind and come to the valley? That's where usually he comes in order to listen to the talk of Allah Azza wa Jal. Musa says, وَلَقَدْ عَجِلْتُ إِلَيْكَ رَبِّي لِتَرْضَى I came so fast, speeding, so that you will be pleased, dear Allah. Allah, I want you to be pleased. Which is, of course, you need Allah Azza wa Jal to, to be pleased. 
Allah Azza wa Jal, when he talks to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he always mentions that Allah wants to please Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's not that Muhammad is not doing it. Whatever it takes to please Allah Azza wa Jal, that means it's already given, that Allah is already pleased with Muhammad. Allah has accepted Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah has, has seen how much he is devout to Islam. Allah has seen how much he exhausts himself to bring this da'wah. So Allah Azza wa Jal is absolutely pleased and now it's the time to give Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam back. وَلَيْسَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى And we saw that also in the, in the Surah Al-Layl about Abu Bakr even. When he says, وَمَا لِأَحَدٍ عِنْدَهُ مِنْ نِعْمَةٍ تُجْزَى إِلَّا ابْتِغَاءَ وَجْهِ رَبِّهِ الْأَعْلَى وَلَيْسَوْفَ يَرْضَى The only reason he gives and he pays and he does things is because he wants the the pleasure of Allah Azza wa Jal for the sake of Allah he will be pleased I will please him so Allah Azza wa Jal vows to please Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam vows to please the sahaba of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam vows to please everyone who works for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal what a beautiful notion to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam what a beautiful comfort after that duha and after that hardship and after that long day of work, after long many days of conveying the message of Islam, after all of these persecutions and, and, and tyranny that he had faced with Mecca, Allah Azza wa is coming to him and saying, وَلَسَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى Your Rabb will give you so you will be pleased. What a beautiful notion to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa what a beautiful comfort. What a beautiful comfort for us today when I know if I take this Quran or whatever has, of course the entire Quran has been revealed and this da'wah and I walk with it and I carry it all the way so that I make it living being with the people. I carry the da'wah in order to please Allah Azza wa Jal and I do that only for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal and then I'll say Allah will please me. How is it that Allah will please me? It doesn't matter. It's Allah. It's the Rabb. You know, sometimes when you say, oh, someone wants to, get, to honor you, a CEO, a manager, a king, a president, quite, you wouldn't even bother Allah. What is it that he wants to give you? Because that absolutely rich, absolutely powerful, absolutely big guy, he is looking down at me. That is good enough. And here it's Allah Azza wa Jal. It's the Rabb. Whatever your Rabb gives you, and He says it will make you pleased, and He will please you, indeed it will. And you will find in the tafsir, some of the Mufassirin, which is very interesting, they try to enumerate things. Oh, that is going to be in the Jannah. He will have 1,000 palaces, each palace has 1,000 doors. Each inside the palace has 1,000 rooms. And they keep counting these. They are, make, they are making all types of imaginary things. What could be a good thing? And what you tell them, whatever Allah Azza wa is giving is better than that. No matter how much you imagine, whatever Allah Azza wa gives is more than that. Is much better than that. And that's what we work for. If it was not 
if it was not for the giving of Allah Azza wa Jal as a Rabb, I would not be sitting in this place right now. You would not be sitting in this place right now. We will not be struggling with this da'wah with all the tyrants right now. These days when we are trying to bring this Islam to the forefront of the world, I will quit. I will quit because I will always find a reward in something else. I will always find a joy in any other type of work. But here, when I know that it is my Rabb, Rabb al-Samawati wal-Ard, Rabb al-Alameen, the Rabb of the, of, the, of, the, the Rabb of the night, the Rabb of the day, He is the one who is giving and He is the one who vows to please me, I will give up everything and I will surrender my will completely to Allah Azza wa Jal and then I will wait for whatever He wants to give me and I will be pleased with that. And that's the notion which I get from here. And then to continue, here Allah Azza wa Jal, and that's very interesting. Allah is talking to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You have been stressed over the da'wah, over the gap of the wahi. Uh, you have been having some hard time. And Allah Azza wa Jal gives him the wahi, says, I will give you, don't worry. I will please you. But remember, here comes the style of the Qur'an. The style of the Qur'an. It doesn't simply pass words without stressing the fact so that you realize how serious the word of Allah Azza wa Jalla says. Let me remind you though, telling Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, even, even until now, until this moment, that you are a little bit exhausted and distressed over, let me remind you what I have given you. I will give you something more that you will be pleased. But let me tell you what I have done for you. And that always comes back again. Yes, I am waiting for Allah Azza wa to give me. And also I say, but let me see what he has already done for me. Alam Now talking to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now this is direct talk. Now let's talk frankly sometimes. Okay, let's talk openly. Let's put things on the table. After all, you were an orphan. You were born an orphan. Your father died when you were still in, in the womb of your mother. You were born an orphan. But you did not grow up as an orphan. You did not grow up as an orphan. I managed, Allah Azza wa says, I managed, I'm the one who managed to bring you in a manner that you will not even feel the orphanage. And remember now, this orphan issue keeps coming up in Surah Al-Fajr. Allah Azza wa talks about the people of Mecca, they do not honor the orphans. The yatim, the orphan in the society of Mecca is ignored. And here you, Ya Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you came as an orphan in the same society that does not honor orphans. How is it that you got through this orphanage without being beaten or tortured or left uh, abandoned or feeling the humility and the humiliation of an orphan? Someone must have worked on your behalf. Now remember the previous surah, Allah Azza wa Jal depicts this issue. He says, You people of Mecca, people of Quraysh, the yatim, the orphan in your society is absolutely abandoned. The orphan has hard time. The orphan does not live as a regular child. 
is left behind. In fact, we know that when Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam was born, and usually in Mecca, they want someone, the baby born, they would look for a woman to breastfeed him. That was a common practice. Common practice. A baby born, the mother maybe doesn't have enough milk, she has many uh, kids, uh, they need, she doesn't want to breastfeed, these are prestigious people sometimes, so they need to give the kid or the baby to someone to breastfeed him. And here comes in the season, it's like a market, like the market of the breastfeeders. The breastfeeders, those who have already milk in their breasts, they come in the market of Mecca, and they are looking for babies who are recently born. And here comes, of course, Muhammad is born, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but he's an orphan. He's an orphan, doesn't have a father. Doesn't have a father, there is no guarantee for pay. So the breastfeeders, all they come and lay, they leave him. They wouldn't even take care of, take him. They wouldn't even pay attention, oh, this is an orphan. Except Halima Saadiya, we know the story. Halima, who was poor by herself, herself she was poor, and she passed by several times. And then she decided to take him. Despite that orphans, they wouldn't, no one would take an orphan. So he has to grow almost abandoned. And sometimes they die. Because if no one is going to breastfeed him, they don't have those bottles as we have them today to have the, steril, the sterilized milk. He has to eat. So Halima Saadiya, so she passes by and then she says, every time I pass by this baby, I look at him, he's an orphan, because he has to be advertised who is his father, he's an orphan. Then I see I am poor already. I myself is poor. So I'm coming to breastfeed, so I get paid. This guy or this baby, he has no one to pay for him. And then, now of course, Abu Talib was there, and he would, uh, or his even uh, grandfather at, uh, at the beginning. But then the notion that he's an orphan deters that woman. Then at the end she says, I decided to take him despite the fact that he's orphan. And then I said, I will get help somehow. That is a story how Muhammad, peace be upon him, was picked by one of the, one of the women who thought she would take him despite the fact that she is poor and that he is an orphan. And here Allah is reminding him that during this orphanage, when you were growing up as a baby, you were an orphan, and I managed, or at least it was managed at the time, nobody knew it was Allah Now Allah is reminding him, say, I am the one who did that for you. Alam Didn't you were, weren't you, born as an orphan and then you found that shelter and that safe haven to take care of you and to shelter you all the way until you grew up wasn't that true I have done that for you it was Abdul Muttalib his grandfather first then his uncle Abu Talib and then all of this through until Halima breastfed him fed him until he came back to Mecca and then he grew up until Khadija married him and he was always taken care of. So Allah is reminding him that aside from what's awaiting for you, I have done this for you. 
ألم يجدك يتيما فآوى نمبر وان نمبر تو وضالا ضالا فهدى ضال in the Quran the word ضال and ضلال is comes in many different meanings one of the meaning of ضال is a kafir but that's not what's meant by here and another meaning of a ضال is the one who is looking for something that's lost he is actually looking for something that's lost so it's not I am the lost if I am looking for something that's lost I will be a ضال also someone who is looking for love Let's say, I'm looking for something to love, something to like, something to adore. Bal. Or, I am just wandering in the desert, or in the, like, I am lost, I have lost my path, I know there is a path somewhere, but I don't know where it is. And that is, according to Al-Qurtubi, Al-Qurtubi says, all of these notions, they do apply to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, except the shirk, because he was never a mushrik. Because Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam never accepted the shirk of, of the mushrikeen. In fact, it's more likely that he was looking at what these people are, are worshipping and believing in, and he was looking, that can't be right. That hubal cannot be right. That god of the sun cannot be right. Those multiple gods cannot be right. Those people who worship all types of, cannot be right. What is right? So he was always thinking. And we know that when he was going to the, to the cave, when, the, when Jibreel came with the wahi, he was actually wondering and pondering and thinking about what could be behind this universe. And that's the reason that he used to go every year for about a month to take out from his busy time to Ghar Hira, to wait and to, to, and to look around and Ghar Hira, those who have seen it, who have gone to Hajj, it's a place in the, in the top part of a mountain looking at the, at the horizons with nothing around but rocks and all, absolutely nothing. He's just sitting there and waiting and thinking and thinking. So he was thinking about something. And Allah Azza wa says, didn't, isn't it true that you were wondering, you don't know what is the truth, you don't know where the truth is, you don't know what should be worshipped. And then I sent you Jibreel in the middle of that cave and he shocked you, he shocked you, he shocked you, and uh, uh, he gave you that, that, that notion, اقرأ باسم ربك الذي خلق خلق الإنسان من علق. He introduced you to your Rabb, to the Khalaq, to the Creator, the one who created the human, the one who taught the human, علم الإنسان بالقلم. Didn't I do that for you? How else, how else could you have recognized that your Rabb is Allah Azza wa Jal, that your Rabb is the Creator, that your Rabb is the is the source of knowledge. How else? You may have come to the conclusion that behind this wall there is a creator. But you would never, you would never have come to the conclusion that this Rabb is Rabbul Alameen, that this Rabb is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, that this Rabb is Maliki Yawm deen that this Rabb is the source of all guidance. You wouldn't have recognized that. But I did that for you. And I provided you with guidance. So now, now, of course, remember in Surah Al-Fatiha, where we say, الصراط المستقيم. We always, Oh Allah, give us As-Sirat Al-Mustaqeem. Oh Allah, guide us to As-Sirat Al-Mustaqeem. Oh Allah, guide us to the straight path. Allah Azza wa Jal is telling Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I gave you the guidance. It's not that you are asking for it, I already gave it to you. 
So we keep asking Allah Azza wa Jal day and night for guidance. And we hope and pray that he has already given us the guidance. But to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, I already gave you the guidance. Now all, of course, I can say that too for myself. And we can say that because in Surah Al-Baqarah, when Allah Azza wa Jal says, ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابِ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ هُدًا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ If you have taqwa, if you have the taqwa, there is the book, it has guidance for you. So he gave me guidance too. So I can claim that this ayah applies to me because Allah Azza wa found us in a manner wandering between the civil state, between democracy, between capitalism, between nationalism. We came, we are born and we are created and we live in societies that have all types of mythologies, all types of wandering around, all types of ideologies, all types of rotten ideas. It has the nationalism, it has the tribalism, it has the capitalism, it has the democracy that sometimes put, they put it in very nice words. Democracy, freedom, liberty, uh, getting your rights, all of these junk things, I could say them. And then within all of this, you need guidance. So when I find, I go back, I find that my Quran and my, the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ has the complete guidance among all of these paths, I am happy. Then that applies to me. Alam yajidka yatiman fa'awa wa wajadaka dalan fahada. We were all of us. All of us we were wondering. All of us we were subject, subjected to nationalism. In our countries, each one has a passport that at one day we are proud of. Each one of us at some time we carried a flag that has rotten ideas on that flag. That has the red, the black, the yellow, with Churchill and the British, they designed for all of us. And we carried those flags. And we adored those who carry the flags. Flags of shirk and kufr. And each and every one of us, at one point of time, we were so proud of our nation. Yes, I am an Arab, but that's not my source of pride. I am an Arab so that you know my language. And you are Pakistani or Indian, so I know your language and you, I know where you come from. But that's not my pride. My pride is Islam. My pride is the identity of Islam. So there, was, there has been a time in our lives, in the lives of the 1.5 billion Muslims today, many of them, they continue to adore all of these rotten ideas. And it's not that I want to blame them or put a blame. It's, it's, it's a mess. It's a chaos. It's lots of dalal. It's lots of different paths Allah Azza wa Jal he says he found Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam amidst all of these garbage things tribalism of Abu Jahl and Quraysh Quraysh being the macho tribe in the, in the Arabs we are the best tribe we are the ones who support the Hujjaj we are the ones who have all these idols around the Kaaba we are the ones who maintain all of this there's big pride in anything, in everything but Allah Azza wa Jal. It's, it's a mess. Allah Azza wa Jal, he guided Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Your Rabb is the one and only one you should adore and you should respect and you should worship. Allah the creator. And the same thing for us today. The same thing for the Muslims today. We have, in order for us to appreciate this hidayah, when Allah says, It's a big thing. You know, to come out of all of this myth, myth and myths of nationalism and tribalism and capitalism and socialism and secularism and liberalism 
All of this, which are isms, which are not based on Islam, but not based on what Allah has created, to come out of all of this and say, I am a Muslim, my Rabb is only Allah Azza wa Jal. I take my laws and rules and regulations only from Allah Azza wa Jal. I submit my will only to Allah. I will not submit my will to the general will of Jan Jack Russo. I will not submit my will to the public or to the nation or to the group of people as is done in democracy. I will not submit my will to the chief of the tribe. I will not submit my will to the king or to the president or to constitution or to anyone. I submit it only to Allah Azza wa Jal. I want to be a abd of Allah Azza wa Jal. That's hidayah. That's guidance. That's what Allah Azza wa Jal is telling Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam here. And it's a big favor. It's a big favor. He says, don't be stressed out. I already provided you with guidance. That is more than enough. I already guided you to the truth. Leave alone the victory. Even if the victory has not come yet, at least you are on the right path. And that's what I, I keep telling the brothers in Syria and the brothers in revolutions and the brothers in the da'wah. As long as you are on the right path, the path that Allah Azza guided you to, as long as you are on that path, that's good enough. That's good enough. Until the victory comes, wasbir, wasbir rabbik, Allah says. For the hukum of your Rabb, you have to be patient and persistent. But the fact that he has given you the guidance already is more than enough. That's sufficient. For me, it's sufficient. The fact that I have the Quran and I believe in it wholeheartedly and I stick to every word of it. Every word. I bite with my teeth on it, as the Prophet says. As long as I do that, that's enough. And that's what the ayah says. Remember, the ayah is coming in, 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 in a challenge time. Look, Muhammad, وسلم, you are stressed out. Fine. You are a little bit troubled. You are concerned. Yes, fine. But let me tell you, didn't I give you guidance? That is a reminder of something that once you remember it, you should no longer be stressed out. Even if the victory and the support of Allah takes so much time. Even that the removal of the tyrants like Pharaoh and, 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 and Thamud and Ad and Bashar and Husni Mubarak and, and all of these, even if it takes too much time, it may. But at least I have the guidance. وَوَجَدَكَ ضَالًّا فَهَدَى وَوَجَدَكَ عَائِلًا فَأَغْنَى And he found you also in desperate need. Ail in desperate need. Sometimes you say in Arabic, we say uh, uh, the dependence, dependence, my dependence, my children, my wife, my mother, if she's old, and my father, are my ailin. A'ul. A'ul means I am the supporter of them. And the ail is the one who needs support, the one who's dependent. You have dependence. You are dependent on your parents, on your job, on some charity. There is dependence. Unemployed, you need charity, you need zakah. And here Allah Azza wa Jal is telling Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, which is a fact, that one day you were dependent, of course, upon your uncle, upon your grandfather. But then, if you think through you will never, you will never feel that desperate, desperate dependence. 
فأغنى الله عز وجل enriched you الله supplemented that for you الله gave you what it takes to be independent to be on your own and that feeling of security quite often especially in this country we live here those who work in industry in many places there is something always called job security you want to be always to feel safe and secure you could be laid off you could be kicked out of your job the, your industry can close the market the financial crisis can go down you could lose some things a sense of insecurity and when sometimes you say I have a job that's secure I don't have any insecurities oh you are a king you are absolutely good so the sense of security to feel secure not to feel dependent on something that is a feeling that's not easy to attain it's a feeling that not everybody can attain Allah Azza wa Jal is telling Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam I gave you that sense of security I gave you that sense of independence I gave you that feeling and that ability to be independent I provided for you I did now here comes the issue for me now can I have that feeling of security can I have that feeling that I am no longer dependent on anything in this world that's difficult but if I believe and which I should that the rizq which is the providence that Allah Azza wa Jal is the main cause of providence it's not my job it's not Motorola it's not Cambium it's not IBM it's not Walmart those are tools but the real source of fund the real source of risk is Allah Azza wa once I attain that feeling that belief once I have that then I will have a, a sense of security then I will feel the security it doesn't matter whether I have the money today or not but I have that sense of security that is an ideological thing that's aqidah that's iman that's faith so I can also claim now that Allah Azza wa gave me that sense of, secu of security so even if I am poor even if I don't have enough money even if I, I, I live under the line of poverty I still say Allah Azza wa is the owner of this world Allah is Maliki Yawmuddin Allah is the one who is Malikul Mulk Allah is the one who provides the risk and therefore I depend only on Allah Azza wa so with my dependence on Allah I am rich with being independent of Allah and dependent on any other things I am a'il, I am faqir, I am poor so that's the, the view that Allah Azza wa provides us that your perspective on being rich or poor has to be or dependent or independent has to take into consideration this Allah Azza wa the creator, the Rabbu al-Samawati wal-Ard and that is how we feel that and Allah Azza wa did it to Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in his own way and he did it to us by giving us all of these ideas and the Quran and the belief about Allah Azza wa I would like to stop right here and leave the last three ayats three ayat for next time inshaAllah Jazakumullah khair if you have any I think we have about 10-15 minutes for the Maghrib so we can entertain some comments, questions go ahead anyone Anybody has any comment, question?
Yes, go ahead, Tirman. Means? No, al-duha not dawn. Al-duha is the time after sunrise. It's about it's about one hour after sunrise when the sun becomes a little bit heat. That's why they come. They they use the word. فإنك لا تجوع لا تضمأ فيها ولا تضحى. تضمأ you will not be hungry or tired because al-duha is the tadha means you become tired out of some work so the sunrise when you already have started maybe one two hours of work that's al-duha and there is a prayer of al-duha so you have the fajr prayer before sunrise and there is a duha prayer which is after uh, sunrise now there is a notion here i uh, i did not uh, mention in those three surahs, some of the Mufassirin, they look at the mention of the night and the day as the dynamic change of the, of the earth and the sun, which indicates they, they use this as a, as a means to show that uh, uh, those are signs for the creation, that Allah Azza wa is a creator. And in fact, in, in other places in the Quran, the, the reason I, I did not, elaborate on this because those will be in other surahs وَمِنْ آيَاتِ اِخْتِلَافُ اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ Among the signs of Allah Azza wa Jal are the difference between layl and nahar which we, or the circulation of the night and the day so the circulation of the, of the fact that the universe is in motion and things they change over time and they are dynamic and they are not static and that's why this world is not eternal, it must have a creator. So that's a reason, one other way of looking at this, to understand and realize that there is a creator behind this world. Any other uh, comment, whatever, uh, notions? No? Yeah, go ahead. Those those three ayat, I kept them for next time. Will I did not I did not explain them yet. Uh, we will talk about them inshallah next time because those constitute some bases or pillars for the society of, of Islam, about the yatim and the uh, poor and the other things. So we'll talk about that next time, inshallah. But it will apply. In fact, uh, 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 the Mufassirin, they say about these, the last three ayat, although they came to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but each and every one of them applies to all Muslims. And we'll, we will talk about how is that uh, so. Okay? Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, 
Quran Tafsir and Sira are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.